It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode for Season 9, Episode 2. In this week's case of, we covered the case of Ivan Cantu. Ivan is in the state of Texas. He's on death row. He was convicted in 2001 for the murder of his first cousin and his cousin's girlfriend. Uh, there's many people out there that believe that Ivan was wrongfully convicted. He has exhausted his appeals. And if new evidence is not discovered or presented, allowed to be presented to the courts, Ivan will at any time be executed. Uh, we had on the podcast Matt Duff from the Cousins by Blood podcast and Liz Rose, who's also blogging about the case. And they gave us a lot of information we're going to talk about a little bit more. I got a bunch of questions from you, and I got Zach and Mike in the studio with me to help us answer them. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, our first question comes from Michelle. This whole story was very confusing. I'm not sure what happened, according to whom, because the narrative was all jumbled. Can we get a brief, quote, prosecutor says and defense says rundown? Well, let me, let me just fill you guys in on kind of scheduling for us. You shouldn't notice a blip in any of this because uh, we've made we've taken steps to make sure that all of our episodes are published the nor- same normal time they always are. But we have we've been talking about, you know, for the last several months that Mike and I, for his bachelor party, are going out to Wyoming for a week long camping and hunting trip. That's next week. And then the next week is Mike's wedding. So in order to accommodate those, we've had to record a bunch of episodes all in advance. I'm only telling you guys that to tell you this, that next week's follow-up is going to be a little bit different because we have to record it this week before the episode even drops. But I think we've got that covered. Uh, but as far as like some of these questions, I'm going to do, do my best. I tried to, to brush back up on things. But in all honesty, I have recorded seven interviews about seven different cases in two weeks so so I'm, I'm trying to unscramble myself that won't be the norm going forward but just to prepare for this so that being said the ivan Cantu case the state's theory is that ivan went to his cousin's house shot and killed him and his girlfriend and with an apparent motive of robbery because there was they're saying there was money stolen there was a rolex stolen there was a, a diamond engagement ring stolen 
And then he goes back home. And the state's theory is based largely on his girlfriend, um, Amy Betcher's testimony. Uh, if I said it wrong before, it was Amy Kitchen was the victim. There's two Amys. But so then the state's theory is that after he shoots uh, his cousin and his girlfriend, he gets in their car at some point. And I'm not real clear because there's a lot of back and forth with the cars. But he goes back to his apartment and tells his girlfriend, Amy B., that he had just murdered them. And then she says in an attempt to intimidate her, takes her back over to the crime scene where he just murdered double homicide, shot two people, takes her back over there and shows her the bodies. They gather up more stuff. I think that's what she says. He grabs the Rolex and the ring and things. And then also Amy says that when he came home after the, the initial trip, the murder, that his he had he had blood on his pants and blood on his socks. And there's no question that he did it because he told her he did it. And then he showed her the bodies, and they took some stuff, and then they leave, and then they go out cruising around to bars in the victim James's Corvette, and they go they go bar hopping, they're doing they're drinking, doing some drugs, and then the next day they had a pre it's been proven they had a pre planned trip to go to Amy's parents' house in Arkansas the next day. So the next morning. They get up, leave the Corvette, which is the victim's Corvette, right outside the front door of Ivan's apartment. Ivan takes off his bloody socks and his bloody pants and throws them on the top of his trash can in his kitchen. And then they, uh, while they're around the bar that night, too, um, to back up a little, they're telling everyone that they just decided to get engaged. And Amy's showing off this this new diamond ring that, that Ivan had just got her, uh, which is supposedly... Actually, the victim, Amy Kitchen's ring that she's wearing. They go to her parents' house. Uh, her dad says she's a little freaked out. She's a little scary. They tell her parents that they got engaged. They show the ring off there. Um, and then that's when um, the police start looking for Ivan because they found they found the, the bloody pants and they found the, the car outside of his apartment. And so they bring him and arrest him. Seems very, very cut and dry. I mean, the victim's car is at his house. The bloody pants, which DNA evidence later proved had the victim's blood on it, was found in his trash can. The ring was stolen. They were seen by multiple people with the ring. And then there's also, when they come back from Arkansas, they go to Ivan's ex-girlfriend's house and spend the night there. And after they leave, Amy tells the ex-girlfriend, as the ex-girlfriend's taking her to the airport, which is all this is very, you got to listen to the podcast for all the long details about this. but. Ivan gets arrested, and then Ivan's ex-girlfriend takes his current girlfriend to the airport, and she gives her $1,500 and says, go back to your apartment, make sure, look and make sure that Ivan didn't leave anything there under the couch cushions. She goes back, looks under the couch cushions, and sure enough, there's some drugs and money, and uh, I think there was money, but in the, uh, the murder weapon, the, the pistol that was used to kill the, the two victims was found under the couch, which was the, the final piece of evidence. Ivan was there, and now the murder weapon is, was stashed at her house. Seemed like a very cut-and-dry case. Now, the defense side of it, or actually I'll say the, the reality of it is, if you start breaking these things down, uh, the, first thing, the first place where things start to crumble is when the police, after they find James dead and, his, and, and Amy Kitchen dead, the police go to Ivan's, with his mother to notify him what happened. And they're worried about him because his cousin, while he had a, a business that involved mortgages, he was also supposedly a known drug dealer and, and like large quantities, like a lot, had a lot of money. 
as a drug dealer. And they're worried that Ivan might be connected to some of this. So they go to his house. Two officers go into the house. They search the house. Ivan's not there. One of the officers was interviewed on the Cousins by Blood podcast and said the place was neat and tidy. There was nothing out of place. There was no, you know, they, they certainly would have seen bloody jeans on top of a trash can. None of that was present. And they also didn't notice the, the Corvette that the next day when the search warrants executed that was found parked right outside the door. Now, they can't say the Corvette wasn't there, but they can say that they but they did say they didn't they don't recall seeing it. They didn't notice it. And it'd be something because they knew the Corvette was missing. You'd think they might have caught caught onto. So all of a sudden this starts to look sketchy. And then when we get pictures of the actual bloody pants, remember, Amy says when Ivan comes home, he's wearing he's wearing these pants. They're covered in blood and the socks are covered in blood. The actual evidence photos of the pants, it's like down around the cuff of the pants. There are just like a couple drops. Like there's no way you would notice that when somebody walks in. It's not like there was blood all over. A couple drops along the, around the cuffs of the pants was the only blood. Um, so that's a problem. It's also a problem that the pants are two sizes too big for for Ivan. And and then there's just the very kind of logical thing of if you committed these murders and you're trying to get away with it, why would you park the victim's car right outside your house and then put the bloody clothing? Right on top of the trash can where it could be easy easy to be find found, and if you, and then the ring if you uh, if you stole a wedding ring from somebody who was just murdered, does it make sense then to put the ring on your girlfriend? And it's not like he's tricking his girlfriend because he's told his girlfriend that the murders happened, and then supposedly puts this ring on her and has her go around showing it off to people, showing everybody that that you know look at this ring I gave her, which would obviously point right back to him. So very quickly, everything starts to fall apart. And uh, and then there's also the the red Corvette. So Amy says they leave, and I don't remember the times off the top of my head, but they, they left at a particular time to go to Arkansas. And Ivan says they left at a different time the next morning. But in either scenario, there's a toll tag where the Corvette drove through a, a toll road stop, you know, where, where they have got the, you know, they, they scan your license or whatever as you go through. It like I want to say like eleven in the morning, the morning after the murders, which in by both scenarios, Ivan's and Amy B's, they're gone on their way to Arkansas by then. Like like neither of their stories line up with that, which could be an indicator that someone else moved the moved the car and put it at Ivan's house after they were they were out of town. Um, so the long and short of it is, is there's not you can't say here's a bunch of evidence that proves Ivan is innocent. The it, what you have is. Here's all the evidence that says he's guilty, and when you look at every piece of that evidence, it all crumbles and falls apart. But this is not a case where, and I said that on the podcast, that you know, we, we see a lot of cases where, with potential wrongful convictions where what we're seeing are, are corrupt prosecutors, and, and, and there was some corrupt prosecution here that we'll get into, I'm sure, but you know, corrupt police officers that are fabricating evidence. To me, in my opinion, that wasn't the case here. If Ivan Cantu is innocent, then he was very clearly set up. You know, the, the the police didn't plant bloody pants at his house, but if Ivan didn't do it, somebody did. And and the police didn't put the Corvette in front of his house, but if Ivan didn't do it, somebody did. Uh, so it, it looks more the case. I mean, the, the police, from what I can see, followed a logical path that led to the arrest of Ivan Cantu. But what they failed to see, if this is what happened, is that it's very possible that someone else planted all of this evidence in order to set him up. 
I appreciate you summing that up because I really came out of this episode with a lot of questions myself. And and I think you covered a lot of it, which is nice. A couple of things that, that was talked about. So Matt talked about that he was that Ivan was pretty wealthy at one point and had lost all his wealth. Do do we know how that occurred? Was it through because he talked about maybe getting divorced? Did it did it happen through the divorce? You know, I, I'm not exactly sure about that. As I, as I remember correctly, he at one point was working for his cousin selling mortgages mm-hmm. and, and he was, you know, he was in pretty good shape. It sounds like he did have some drug problems. I'm not exactly sure what happened to his wealth, but I, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think there was a point where he was very financially stable mm-hmm. and then it came to a point where he wasn't. And, it, and I know it does say it in the podcast in the Cousins by Blood podcast. I just can't remember what it is. But at the time of this of these murders. He was actually working two jobs. I think he might have been doing the mortgage. I think he was doing the mortgage broker job. And then he had another part-time job because he was trying to dig himself out of a hole that he had put himself into. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, and then one other thing you mentioned was the pants, the, the bloody pants in the trash can. Uh-huh. Is there any chance, like in theory, that they could have been moved to the top four photos? Like if the, the, the crime scene analyst came in to look at it or whatever when they're photographing? Because, uh-huh. you know, the first, when they come for the wellness check, they don't see them. Right. But then when they come in to find them, I'm not saying that it wasn't planted, but is there a possibility that it could have been, you know, they could have seen them and kind of moved them so they could get a better photo? Yeah, there's, you can never say there's not a possibility, mm-hmm. but I don't see evidence here that the police department or the lead detective was was really doing anything shady. And and, and so I would say the probability is very, very low because, okay. you know, because then you're corrupting the evidence. So, the you know, the, the photos they're taking that they've t- taken of them. You, the, the process is you take a photo of it as it sits, take close-ups of it as it sits, take photos of the area, same thing we would do in an arson investigation all the way around it. And then you would remove it and take more photos and then package it and then take more photos the way around it. So there, there's, there's no reason for them to say it was right on top because okay. they had a valid search warrant. Mm-hmm. Now, if they had found them uh, during like the welfare check mm-hmm. and they're trying to, trying to pull a fast one, then that's when you might expect like, oh, they said they were on top, but they weren't because they didn't have a search warrant. So like if they were digging through the trash and found them like, shit, we just found these, but it's kind of fruit of the poisonous tree. Like we're not supposed to be searching here. So this now we can't use this evidence. So let's just say we saw it sitting on top. But in this case, they went back with a valid search warrant and found them. So I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think they were they were actually sitting on top of the trash. And that makes sense to me. One of the things that, that I'm a little confused about, too, is is Amy B, the girlfriend, mm-hmm. of, of her just like completely turning on him almost at a moment's notice. Seems strange to me. Like 
maybe she's got something to do with it. Maybe she doesn't, but it just seems strange to me that you would pin it on your boyfriend or your fiance if they're, they're right. saying they're engaged so quickly. And you know, with the story with the, the bullet, how he, they got an argument, he came out and fired around at kind of at her right into the wall. And then his story says there was a, a Domino's delivery driver. Right. I mean, that, I don't know. It seems that's all really strange to me. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that for a minute. So what you have is Amy handing him to the police. Mm-hmm. I mean, just telling everything. And what we learn later is she's even telling them things that aren't true to make him look more guilty. And then the the story we didn't really get on the podcast. We didn't get too much into the Domino's delivery guy, did we? They talked about it briefly. That, yeah. That Ivan said that there was a uh, a person dressed up as a Domino's delivery guy. Right. That had come in a few days before and threatened him. Yeah. Saying that his cousin owed drug money, I believe, is the reason. Yeah. He didn't say drug money, but I think he assumed that. I think he said that he owed him money and he had so much time to pay or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the guy like had him down on his knees in the apartment pointing a gun at him and then uh, fired a shot into the wall. Mm-hmm. And then Amy says that they were fighting and Ivan had a gun. And fired it into the wall. Yeah. Which may be true. And I feel like there's another story out there that it was like an accidental discharge that it got fired into the wall. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But so when you think about that, if look at the scenario, you also have Amy acting very acting as though she's telling people she's afraid of Ivan. Mm-hmm. You also have Amy after Ivan is arrested leaving because she's scared something's going to happen to her. Now, if she if the story she told is true, Ivan acting alone based solely out of greed, went and killed his cousin and his, and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And Ivan is in jail. Why is she still afraid after he gets arrested? That's a good point. Yeah. So so when, when you're seeing all this, like you said, she just all of a sudden completely flips on him. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's strange to me is I'm not saying that a girlfriend wouldn't turn in a boyfriend or, you right. know, if, if I hypothetically murdered somebody and my wife turned me in, I could right. see that happening. But why would you go along with it all night long, do all this partying, I, and I understand if he's afraid, if she's afraid of him, I could see like, oh, I don't want to upset him. But you, you know, you could go, oh, I don't feel good. Maybe we shouldn't go out tonight. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, why would you go over there and then go partying and do all this? It, it seems really strange to me. Right. So, and, and that's what I'm getting at is when you look at this particular scenario, it's not just like she ratted him out. Mm-hmm. She supposedly went to the crime scene with him, mm-hmm. saw this, saw the dead body, saw the blood, and then went out partying with him. And then went on a trip with him to go visit her parents and went out of her way to show off this wedding ring mm-hmm. to everyone. But then rats him out and tells the police everything about, you know, everything and says that he did it. Like, what does that say? Like, what does your gut tell you just just based on those that scenario? To me, it seems like she knows something mm-hmm. and she's trying to get it away from her. Right. Whether and I'm not saying she's the killer, but she's. She's very culpable in this, in my opinion. Well, even in her own story, she's culpable culpable to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was thinking. We didn't really break down the podcast. So she's, in her version of events, she was told they were murdered, went to the scene, took items from the house, and then helped cover it up afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, and then and then changes her mind. So in, in either way, she has some kind of knowledge of it. But, but she's not even just like pushing it away from her. She's very, very directly pushing it at Ivan. Yeah. At and, her and boyfriend. You, what you just said, too, is you said that they went to the house and took some items. Right. Now, one of the things I did over this past week was I, I reached out to Liz Rose and talked to her a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about the Rolex and how that actually comes to play a big part or could play a big part later. 
Right. What do we know about that Rolex? Well, um, uh, Matt and Liz know more about it than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's it's mentioned in the Cousins by Blood podcast that we're going to find out more about this in season two, which should be coming out in about a month. Okay. But part of Amy's story, so um, James, the victim, mm-hmm. had a very you know, $10,000 Rolex. She says, Ivan stole the Rolex and then at some point decides to throw the Rolex out the car window, throw, throws it away. Now, and, and this is a lot of her story fits with all these elements from the case, right? The Rolex was missing. So she says, Ivan took it and threw it out the window. What we're told during season one is that the Rolex surfaced later. Okay. And I think all Matt said in the in the Cousins by Blood podcast was, we know for a fact that Ivan did not steal that Rolex. Okay. So in my understanding is another family member had it and then brought it back and said, no, it's right here. We've had it the whole time, which is another thing. When Now, now when you start looking at that one little piece, mm-hmm. you, you have to all of a sudden start questioning everything Amy said. Because she made up a completely fabricated piece of story, piece of evidence mm-hmm. about stealing this Rolex that never happened. But the Rolex was missing and wasn't and wasn't there. Why is she making so so now can you believe anything else she's saying? Yeah. And it does sound like that at some point after this, the police were aware that the Rolex was returned and never disclosed it. Right. Yeah. And that's part of it. The, there's all kinds of, so that's when I said the the process there was some shady prosecutor actions. There was, I mean, I mean, Ivan, Ivan had a hard time. I mean, about as rough go of it as you can have. If he's innocent, even if he wasn't innocent, he still didn't get a fair trial, in my opinion. He had his defense counsel didn't put forth any evidence, didn't call any witnesses to prove his innocence, mm-hmm. and then in his closing art, closing arguments, he conceded his guilt. Really? Yeah. He. I don't remember exactly how it shook out, but he was like, I think he said something to the extent of, "I'm not saying he's not guilty." <laughs> but you know, essentially, he was trying to, to to sway the jury away from the death penalty. Yeah, and he's like, "I'm not saying he's not guilty. I'm saying there's enough question here to not put him to death." I mean, give it to me on a jury. How hard is that deliberation? Yeah, that's, when the defense attorney just said, "Look, he's guilty." That's ridiculous. Uh, but then the prosecution, there were Brady violations like that. So the mm-hmm. police, the police later found the Rolex, knew that wasn't true, knew where it came from, and if I understand correctly, it was that was withheld from the defense at trial. So there, there's been all kinds of appeals based on this stuff, and just Ivan just never had a good shake at it. He's had all his appeals denied all along the way. Veronica says, I listened to the Cousins by Blood podcast. It seems like they have plenty of exculpatory evidence, and there was a Brady violation in the middle of the trial. They have it documented in the trial transcript. Why are there no appeals or motions currently in progress? Well, the, the reason is, what I, like I just said, the, his appeals have all been denied. And it, you know, it's a, it's a, as it said, a Herculean task to overcome the burdens to overturn a conviction. And in this case, there's, there are all these Brady violations and things. But what, what happens is in order for a conviction to be, it's not like if the Brady violation is committed that your convictions already automatically overturned. So the, the prongs of a Brady violation are that there was evidence. It was exculpatory. It was material, meaning it was, you know, important, like it, it, it absolutely made a difference in the case and that it was withheld. But then the other prong of that that's not often discussed is the, the appeals courts have to determine that had that evidence been presented, that it likely would have made a difference in the outcome of the trial. 
And so what Ivan has working against him and what he's had working against him throughout his entire appeals process is that there was a monumental amount of evidence against him. And, and a lot of it, which appears to have been fabricated or planted by not by the police, but by probably the real killer, if that's if that's what happened. So you can say so like the Rolex. Well, they they at trial, they had witnesses saying that he stole this Rolex and threw it out the window. It comes out that the police actually knew he didn't steal it. Clear cut Brady violation. It's material. It's exculpatory. And it was withheld. But then the appeals courts can say, okay, so let's say that was disclosed and the state was not able to use he stole the Rolex argument. There's still clothes with the victim's blood on his trash can. The victim's car is still parked outside of his house. He's still seed with the ring. And so they can, they can deduce correctly, probably, that a jury would have still convicted without it. Mm-hmm. And so that's been the, the, the problem with, with everything along the way. The reason there's no current motions out there or appeals happening right now is because he's exhausted all of them. He, he, he went through all his direct appeals. He went through his post-conviction appeals and appealed it all the way to, you know, he did his federal appeals all and then took it all the way to the Supreme Court, I believe, in 2017. And the Supreme Court just denied the case. They wouldn't hear the case. When that happens, you're done. His, his case is done. And that's why the petition on change.org is out there right now. Because there's been new legislation in the last several years that will allow death row inmates to present new evidence. So one thing that, and I don't have the specifics on all this, but one problem with this case and for Ivan's part is he's never had access to the evidence. You know, so there's, there's DNA evidence on the pants, but we don't know, you know, is there other DNA we could find? Is the killer's DNA on there? Uh, you know, there's a whole litany of different items that could be tested for DNA evidence that he's never been given access to. So right now, all he's waiting for is for an execution date to be set. He has no more appeals unless he's given access to the evidence and is allowed to do further DNA testing. And if that testing provides uh, you know, evidence that someone else did it, which at this point, that's what it's going to take, is for evidence that someone else did it. And if that doesn't happen, he's going to be executed. Now, it sounded like he got a stay of execution right now, but that could be lifted basically any moment, right? He was, he was granted a stay in 2011. Okay. Um, he was, I mean, his execution date was coming. I think it was within 30 days he was about to be executed. And a stay was granted uh, because he had more appeals coming. So that stay, you know, they, they, they said, we're going to wait on, on executing him until he has an opportunity to file more appeals. He's a file for ineffective assistance of counsel, for Brady violations. And the, where we sit right now, what's very scary about the situation we're currently in is that from 2011 to now is when he exhausted all those appeals. So right now there is no reason for the stay to still be in place because okay. because he has, there's nothing else he can do unless new evidence is found. So at any time, the state could set it. They could set an execution date within, I think, 90 days wow. when they set it, and he could be executed any time if he doesn't get a chance to do new testing, which would obviously keep him hopefully the state would would keep him alive while they're doing new testing and then after the results of that now but that will be his last chance if he if he gets new test if they allow access to the evidence allow him to do new, new testing and if that comes back with nothing fruitful for his defense then he'll be executed for sure there's just nothing else they can do 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. While we're on the topic of DNA, Christina says, I have no prior knowledge of Ivan Cantu's case prior to listening to the main episode this week. But I'm dying to know if the pants have ever been tested for the wearer's DNA. Clothing is a great source of DNA from epithelial cells, especially the waistband of pants. It would not be difficult to find out who was wearing those pants that had the victim's blood on them. As an anecdote, I actually had a case where we got DNA from the collar of a t-shirt left behind by the perpetrator of an armed robbery that showed my client was innocent. Yeah, and that's a, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So the, the blood spots on the pants were tested for DNA. But that was it. And part of, I, if, I, if I'm understanding correctly, part of what Ivan is asking for is access to the pants to do exactly that, to, to test the waistband of the pants to see he was wearing them. You know, when this case occurred, you know, the conviction happened in 2001. At that point, you know, touch DNA wasn't a thing. And, and prior to that, you know, there, there's, there's been so many more scientific advances. Of course, there's MVAC and stuff we talk about, but even, we didn't even need that. You could literally just swab the waistband of the pants, which is this place that just collects sweat and skin cells and all kinds of stuff, and find out who was wearing them. And if they and if they do that, this could end this entire nightmare. If they test, if they DNA test the waistband of those pants and it comes back and it's Ivan's DNA, well then he did it. And do what I, I don't I, I don't agree with execution ever anyway. But you know if that's what they're going to do, then so be it. But if they test it and it's anyone else's DNA, then he should be let out of prison. Is this the same DNA lab that's from the Courtney's case? Do we know? Because it's the same time frame, the same basic area. That's a really good question. Because during that time frame is when they got in trouble for bad practices. Right. That'd be worth checking out. It was now that was the Fort Worth PD crime lab. Mm -hmm. And this is Dallas. Yeah, but typically it's it's Dallas Fort Worth is what they talk about a lot. Yeah, but they have they have they have separate crime labs. But but I was thinking you were talking about Gene Screen or Orchid Cellmark. But who are private labs, mm-hmm. and there's also the state crime lab where it could go. Uh, but no, it wouldn't. It, it wouldn't have gone to Fort Worth uh, because that they only do DNA for Fort Worth. Even though people call talk about the Dallas Fort Worth area mm-hmm. as a, though it's one thing, uh, but they do have their own individual police departments and and crime labs. Good question though. Lauren says, "Have you ever thought about getting a PI license? It sounds like it would help solve some of your problems with access, especially in speaking to most of our subjects in prison." I have. I've looked into it a few times, and I actually meant to get with Matt to see how he pulled off getting one. There's a couple of issues that I've come across. One, in order to, in most states, in order to get a PI license, you have to have a degree in criminal justice, or so many years as a law enforcement agent, um, law enforcement officer, or you have to be sponsored by somebody for a certain period. You know, you have to be like an apprentice kind of. Um, so with me not having any law enforcement experience and not having a law enforcement degree. 
there's literally no way for me to get one. But that's state by state. So Matt is working, I believe, in Louisiana now is where he's from and where he got his license. And he was able to somehow in just a matter of a, of six months or a year take some classes to get certified as a as a private investigator. So I thought about looking into that, but if I understand correctly, your your license as a private investigator is only valid for that state. I think um, uh, in maybe certain areas it allows you to to do other work, but I don't think I could get a, a Louisiana PI license and then work with that license in Texas. Now, Matt did in Texas, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was using his license for access to certain things. So um, something that I've looked into for a long time, it seems like it's not possible. Uh, we've talked about with Allison at one point, if there was a way for Allison with the Innocence Project to to sponsor me through, there's a certain program, I think, in Texas where you can get sponsored by an attorney as an investigator. It's just It's just tough to do. Daniel says, can you share your theory about the ring? You mentioned having one, but didn't say much about it. Well, it's not really anything real complex, but it the ring, there's a couple things in this case that are just anecdotal behavioral analysis things that, that caught my attention. One was listening to the phone calls of Ivan with his mom trying to help investigate things. If you listen to Cousins by Blood, you'll hear it. Um, we talked about the, the, the Dallas Cowboys tickets for one. So he is for weeks harassing his mother to find because so, and I think this is one of our questions, Mike. So I'll just cover that right now too. Somebody asked about if they if the Cowboys tickets were ever discovered. So Ivan had a set of Dallas Cowboys tickets that were uh, with a magnet on his refrigerator, and after the the police had come to to execute the warrant, when they came, the tickets weren't there, and they weren't they, they were they they weren't found. And the the tickets were for I don't know when the game was a week or two or whenever it was after the game or after the after the murders happened it was after Ivan was arrested so Ivan's theory that he explained to his mother is that whoever actually committed the crime whoever's framing him came into his apartment after he was gone when he was in Arkansas planted the uh, the pants and the socks and stuff in there. And he says he thinks they took the Dallas Cowboys tickets. And so he's after his mother to find out you know, the person they got the tickets from constantly. And he's just like frantic and desperate for her to find these tickets because he said whoever took those tickets are the same people that planted the evidence. And all they have to do then is to go to the, the Cowboys you know, stadium, I guess, and try to look at surveillance video. And find out who was sitting in those seats. And if they can find out who was sitting in those seats, those are the people that took the tickets. So, you know, makes sense. But that's so but but he's you're listening to him frantically, insisting that she has to find them. He they have to get with the Dallas Cowboys and find out who was sitting in those seats. Now, as it turns out later, they eventually find those tickets. They were they weren't on the fridge, they were like in a drawer somewhere or something at the apartment. So there's nothing that could be done about it. But for me, someone who really pays a lot of attention to to behavior was like why would he be so insistent you could hear it in his tone in his voice he was convinced he himself was convinced that someone took those tickets and was in those seats and that would exonerate him turned out not to be the case but that was just something that behaviorally made me think okay i really think that he didn't do this i really he's really convinced someone else did it Along that same line comes the ring theory. So 
There's a few things that play in here. It was said repeatedly and confirmed by Amy Kitchen's fa- or Amy Betcher's father or stepfather that this trip to Arkansas had been planned for a couple weeks. They knew they were going to Arkansas on this day, and that happens to be the morning after the murders. So was that a coincidence, or were the murders planned to happen right before they were supposed to leave? Uh, That's just something to think about. But the ring, so Ivan says that Amy came to him with a ring that a friend of hers had given her, and she wore it to tell people or to convince her father or her parents that they were engaged so that they would be able to sleep in the same bed at her house. That's 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 what Ivan's story is. And he said the ring was very clearly a cheap cubic zirconian ring. And then Amy was showing it off to everyone. But then when they got to her parents' house, Ivan wanted her parents to see the ring. It makes a big deal, but at least that's Amy's side of the, side of the story. That's what happened. My theory was 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 very simple that because of the ring, I think that's a good indicator that Ivan's girlfriend was a large part of trying to set him up for this crime. That she was going, there were witnesses that said she was going out of her way to show people the ring. According to Ivan, she's the one that brought the ring to him, and she's the one that was showing everyone the ring when they were out at the bars and stuff that night. And I think that that was. The the theory was not even a, a big theory. It was just that I think that that is an indication behaviorally to me that the setup, like this was planned, like like going to the bars, doing all that stuff that night, making sure that she wanted to, I mean, think about why would she want to put the ring on right after the murders? Uh-huh. But she, she puts it on right after these murders, and then she's going around showing everyone that, that she has it. And it, it, the only theory I had was, that this was a the murders were planned, and that and that's again that's if if what Ivan's saying is true, which could not be you know, that that she's the one that had the ring. Maybe Ivan actually stole the ring. Whatever it was, the ring was never recovered. By the way, later, but it's an indicator to me that the murders were planned, and that the plan was to set up Ivan from Jump Street. So whoever killed them, whether it was Amy, and I doubt it was actually Amy that did it, but whoever killed them gave the ring to Amy and told her to do this, or she was a part of a plan to do this. You know, it, again, this is a lot of if, if there was a cover-up. And that's why there was such a big issue about the ring, and it was pointed out. It's just a weird thing to be pointed out. It's a, it's a strange thing in any scenario, but definitely a weird thing in this instance that she has the victim's ring on her and is making a point to show a bunch of people. To me, it was just an in- indicator that she's in on whoever killed them, or as part of it, it may be voluntarily or maybe by coercion coercion or by force is helping to point the finger at Ivan and the ring was part of that plan. Sophie says, when did Amy B get the gun, bullets, etc., to plant under Tawny's sofa cushion? Did she go off alone at some point? I'm presuming that the gun at Tawny's was the actual murder weapon. Well, there's, there's three possibilities with that evidence being found at Tawny's house. So Amy and Ivan stayed at her house. The night, I believe it was the night before he got arrested. And then after he's arrested, Amy and Tawny are together again. I don't know if it was at her house. So the night before, when they're there, either Amy or Ivan planted that evidence there. As far as when they got it, I mean, again, it, it depends on what you think about the case. 
if Ivan's the killer, first of all, I'll say it makes no sense. I mean, they made a big deal on the podcast and, and, and in her interview, in Tawny's interview, that he would never put the gun and stuff there because that's where the cat sits, which I think is horseshit. I mean, that's I mean, she, she might believe that, but I mean, I don't think there's a reason not to plant evidence somewhere. But it, what it doesn't make sense is that if Ivan did this, he's taking steps to be careful in denying that he did everything, always maintaining his evidence, supposedly throwing it by Amy's story, throwing the watch out the window. There's all this stuff that the ring's gone, but then he leaves the murder. They, and keep in mind, if he had the murder weapon still and the, and the drugs or money, whatever it was, he had it with him on his person during a road trip all the way from Texas to Arkansas and back. If he wanted to hide that weapon somewhere, to ditch it somewhere where it will never be found. I mean, literally anywhere. He went across the Mississippi fucking river mm-hmm. or was right near, right there near it in Arkansas. You know, he could have dumped it in the river. He could have any street. I mean, if you throw it in the trash somewhere, you know, again, this is not 2020 forensics. These are the nineties forensics. He could have thrown that gun and stuff anywhere. Why does he hang on to it and take it? If the whole intention is to get rid of it until he gets all the way back and then put it under a couch cushion. Of someone whose house they stayed at. So it was very, at some point, obviously at some point she's going to find it. So that makes no sense to me. The other possibility is, going along with what we said about the ring, that Amy was a part of framing Ivan for this murder from the very beginning. And that she had it the whole time and waited for her opportunity and then stuck it under the couch cushion, you know, when when Ivan and Tawny were in a different room. Or, I mean, there's any time. She could have had it with her the entire time. Would have had either one of them would have had to have had the, those items with them the entire time, and and then it, when when you hear Tawny say that 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 she gives Amy a ride to the airport and then Amy gives her money and gives her fifteen hundred dollars, which whether Ivan did it or she was just a part of it, there there was it sounds like there was quite a bit of money stolen from the victim's house, so mm-hmm. somehow that would filter back to her, but she gives her fifteen hundred dollars for a ride to the airport, which is nuts, but then tells her. Go look and make sure, or go look in your house and make sure Ivan didn't stash anything. And I don't remember if she told her the exact spot, but I think she, I think she said, look under the couch cushions or the chair cushions to make sure Ivan didn't stash anything. And then sure enough, there's on a silver platter, the murder weapon is all right there. So even if Ivan did it, Amy knows something clearly. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if according to her story, yeah, she, she went there and looked at the bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so and that's what makes this tricky is because. Whether her story is true or not, it's either true or she's lying and someone else, she's working with someone else to cover this up. In either case, she has guilty knowledge of the crime. Mm-hmm. It makes it tricky because it's not like, you know, one way, it's not like, it's not like she's in, in one scenario, she was with Ivan and didn't know he did it, but here's some evidence towards him. She's like, no, I know for a fact he did it. I saw him at the house and all that. And if that's not true, that means then she got that knowledge from somewhere else. So it, it makes it tricky. But it just pointing her right back to, oh, go look at it right there. Instead of just going to the police and, say, you know, it it doesn't make sense. To me, it, it looks an awful lot like Amy was a big part of setting Ivan up. And, again, behaviorally speaking, when you go back to the fact that after he's arrested, when, according to her story, he acted alone in murdering James and Amy, And she says she's leaving because she's still scared that something might happen to her. That's that's leakage. 
what we call that. She's leaking out knowledge that she's not telling us because there's if if she knows Ivan's the sole killer, there is no reason to be afraid once he's already locked up. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show was created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels. For just $5 per month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes videos of the creation of our Friday follow-up episodes that include 10 to 30 minutes of pre-show bonus chat. Other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. Lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at BobRuffTruth. Mike can be found at MurbGaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. And Zach can be found at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. This has been Truth and Justice. You said I can't talk. Let's go. Ad break. I'm good. Producer, do you like the way that it's fine. rolled in? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think I don't. We're, get, we're getting corny now with them. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Hey, guys. It's, just, it's not real. It doesn't sound real. <laughs> we're not actors. Hey, everybody. Howdy ho.